it. And this game is underway with a bang. This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796-2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We spent the last two days kind of enjoying, reliving, reveling in the Packers' division round win over the Seattle Seahawks. That five-point win on Sunday where, yeah, it got a little, got a little nerve-wracking at the end. Uh, but the Packers' pass rush, able to make a couple of plays. Aaron Rodgers able to make a couple of throws, and the Packers escape with a a, a really exciting, energizing home win at Lambeau Field, the likes of which we haven't seen since 2015, the last time the Packers played at home during the postseason. That was that game against the Giants where Aaron Rodgers threw the Hail Mary, and Odell Beckham and company were just a mess. It's been a long time. It was nice to see that again. It was nice to feel that again as a Packer fan. A late January Lambeau Field playoff game. And it was really, really cool. And we spent the last couple of days kind of enjoying that, reliving it, talking about it. And now comes the time to turn the page because the Packers coming up this Sunday, late this Sunday afternoon, uh, are on a collision course for the second time this season with the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, a a former colleague and contemporary of Matt LaFleur. First round didn't go so well. Hopefully for the Packers' sake, this matchup goes better on Sunday. This is the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. And today we start previewing. Today we start looking ahead at maybe what the 49ers bring to the table, maybe how the Packers will adjust and change things from the last time they played the 49ers, which was in November. Yeah, that game didn't go so well, by the way. 37-8, the final score uh, in that, what was it, week 11 game, if I'm if I'm looking correctly. And we're going to hear from Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan and, and their thoughts on that game and how they're treating that game, how much attention or, or or how much credence or lack thereof they're giving to that regular season game. Spoiler alert, uh, it, it's not very much. We're going to spend a lot of time previewing Sunday on today's show, and I really want to hear from you today. I really want to hear from you. We've had guests on this week. I've shared my opinion. I've ranted. I've yelled. I've been excited. I've gotten angry. I want to hear from you. I haven't done a good enough job inviting you in to join the conversation. So today, uh, starting at 515, I'm just going to open it wide open. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Give me a call. Give me a text. Give me your thoughts. How you're feeling going into the NFC Championship game. The Packers only one game away from the Super Bowl. Open phone Wednesday. That's starting in a little bit less than 10 minutes. I want to hear from you. I've done such a bad job uh, inviting you in uh, and making you a part of this. So I really want to hear from you today. We wrapped up yesterday's show by just kind of just a little bit looking forward to Sunday. And I told you some of the things that I'm excited about, some of the things that concern me, and some of the things that I'm up on up in the air. I'm really, really excited this Sunday that the Packers are playing Jimmy Garoppolo and not Russell Wilson. I'm really, really, really excited. And you can look at stats, yards, completion percentage, turnovers, touchdowns, interceptions, all that. But as Packer fans, you know. Or maybe as Vikings fans or Bears fans or or whatever team you may cheer for, if any team, you know. You've watched games this year. You've watched Russell Wilson for the last four or five years. You've watched Jimmy Garoppolo this year and last before his injury. You can tell just by watching. You can tell just by watching that there is a a tangible difference. That Russell Wilson almost has a, a certain energy when the football is in his hand. That for some reason, defensive players who are sure-handed tacklers and who are sure-handed pass rushers can't get them on the ground. And linebackers who are normally sure-handed tacklers just just 
cross over their own ankles trying to make a play on him in the open field. And and, and from players and coaches and, and people who have been on that Seattle Seahawks sideline, something about Russell Wilson just leads teammates and 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 and, and coaches to believe they're going to win every game they play. There is a certain quality about Russell Wilson that can't be quantified in stats or in analytics or in sabermetrics or whatever fancy uh, measuring stick you want to use. There's there's something about him where if you watch games, you go, yeah, there's, that, that's that's Russell Wilson and that's what he provides. And you, you saw that on Sunday. Yeah, he had Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but his running back's almost 40 years old or is 40 years old, Marshawn Lynch, damn near 40 years old. And his third best pass catcher is Jacob Hollister. And his offensive line is beat up. And Russell Wilson almost made it happen. And he instilled that belief. He instilled that energy in his team and his coaches where everybody on that sideline believed that they were going to win that game despite being down 21-3. to And Pete Carroll said exactly that in his postgame press conference. I am so glad that the Packers get to play Jimmy Garoppolo instead of Russell Wilson. I love that. Now the thing that concerns me or things that concern me about Sunday's game is just about every other position on the football field. Because the Niners have a better offensive line, a better backfield, a better uh, collection of pass catchers and weapons, a much better defensive line and pass rush. Uh, the linebackers might actually be a toss-up because I like I like Kwan Alexander and I really like Fred Werner. But Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright are really, really good. Their secondary is not half bad, right, with cornerbacks like, uh, oh yeah, Richard Sherman, who is back on his cocky BS after last week's game, right? Back on his BS. Cocking off, cocking off to reporters. The Niners at every single position group, maybe other than linebacker, maybe, are much, much better than the Seattle Seahawks. And that's something that the Packers are going to... It might be a pick-your-poison situation because you probably can't neutralize the linebackers and the defensive line and the corners and the safeties. Oh, and the running game and the passing game. The Packers are probably going to have to strategically say... We're going to focus on this position group. We're going to focus on on these guys. We're going to make this group beat us. And if they do, okay, so help me. You got to start somewhere because the 49ers are great across the board. Other than quarterback, they're better or equally as good at every single position uh, as the Seattle Seahawks. Every other position is is going to be a, a, a math equation. The Matt LaFleur and Nathaniel Hackett and, and the rest of that offensive staff, Luke Getze and Aaron Rodgers sit down and, and, and have to figure out what can they target? What can they look to to um, expose? What can they look to take advantage of? That's going to be really, really tough. Other than quarterback, every other single position group for the 49ers scares the hell out of me. Especially that front seven, and we're going to talk about that coming up later on in the show. I love the fact that they're playing Jimmy Garoppolo. I hate every other part of the game. What about what, what am I up in the air on? I Look. I don't think the regular season matters. I don't think last week matters. And analytics and football analytics people have kind of been at war with Packer fans the last couple of days. And if you spend any time on Twitter, uh, any time spent on Twitter is too much time on Twitter, but that's because I have no life and no hobbies and I'm addicted to Twitter. Analytics people have been at war with the Green Bay Packers and their fans. And and this time of year, analytics, I'm not going to say they don't matter, but their value decreases mightily. Because trying to draw conclusions from regular season games for postseason games isn't going to work. Baseball is the ultimate analytic sport because there's 160 plus games every single year. There's a huge sample size. And while I'm not a stats expert, I'm not a stats major at UWL, I never took stats in high school, 
I know that if you have more data, you have a bigger sample size, your conclusion, your results are going to be more accurate. That's why baseball is great for analytics. NBA is pretty good for analytics too. 82 regular season games. And NFL, for the, for the most part, look, you have 16 regular season games. You can draw some pretty good conclusions. But in the postseason, it is a week-to-week league. I like to think of every week as a new season in the postseason. And to say that because the Packers did something in week 14, or because the San Francisco 49ers did something in week 7, this is how the NFC Championship game is going to go? No, 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 no. It's, it's that old Herb Brooks, right, from, from the movie Miracle with, uh, with, with Kurt Russell. Says we play them ten times, they might win nine. Right? It's the same idea here. The Niners are the better team. But it only is going to be decided by three hours on Sunday afternoon. Every game up until this point won't matter. That's why analytics people this time of year just need to go away. Because, because in the postseason, it really is any given Sunday. So whatever you're excited about for this upcoming weekend, whatever you're worried about as a Packer fan or as a 49er fan, yeah, okay, we might like to think we have a good idea of how this game is going to go, but until the ball's actually kicked off and the lights are on and the TV cameras are rolling and the headsets are plugged in for the coaches, we don't know. And it will be decided over months of regular season is all going to come down to three hours on Sunday. And that's why analytics, statistics, sabermetrics, yeah, they have their time and place, their time and place is not the NFL postseason, and it's not a game like this. Coming up next, I want to get your opinions. I want to get your thoughts. What do you like? What what worries you this upcoming Sunday? The Packers taking on the Niners in the NFC Championship game. Uh, a rematch uh, after a game that didn't really go so well the first time around. Packers looking to make improvements and, and maybe make enough improvements to advance to the Super Bowl in Miami in just a couple of weeks. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Open phone Wednesday. When we come back, I'm talking to you. Tell me what you think. The Wisco Sports Show back in a moment here on WKTY. The Wisco Sports Show rolls on here on WKTY. My name is Grant Bill. Hope you're having an awesome night. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being here. We are previewing the NFC Championship game, Packers 49ers, coming up on Sunday. I have some obligations early on in the day for uh, the work that I do over at, uh, at Z93, our sister station. I might have to miss the AFC Championship game. I realized that yesterday. The Packers game is the late game, so thankfully that's that's fine. I'm going to I'm gonna see that in its entirety. I won't have to watch it back. I won't have to, to delay it or to watch it on tape at all, but... I might miss the AFC Championship game, which I realized earlier today for some work I got to do early on Sunday, and that's uh, uh well, that uh, that that's that's gonna stink. That's gonna stink. I'm gonna be that guy watching on my phone in the back who's who looks really rude and looks really disconnected. But hey, I I got to do what it takes. I got to do what it takes. Championship Sunday uh, coming up this Sunday. We only have three NFL games left this season, which I, I love when the playoffs start. I, I love it because the games mean more. And, and the players are the best players, and the coaches are the best coaches, and the broadcast and the lights are the brightest. But we get fewer and fewer games every single week, and that's a bummer. Because sometimes I like watching, I don't know, the Bengals play the Jaguars. Like, not very often, but sometimes on a Thursday night, hmm, like, I just want a really bad football game to watch. A bad football game is better than no football game. And when the postseason starts to roll along... We get fewer and fewer games every week. That's a little bit of a bummer. I don't know if I'm going to be able to see all of the AFC Championship game on Sunday. If I had to wager, 
I think the Chiefs are going to win, and I think the Chiefs are going to win by a, a handsome amount. Now, maybe the 49ers, or, or the, the Titans, rather, surprise us. They certainly surprised me last week, but I, I think their luck might run out. So hopefully, if that game is amazing, if the Titans and the Chiefs goes down to the wire, and I can't watch because I'm stuck doing Z93 stuff, oh, that's, that's going to sting a little bit. That's going to sting. Meanwhile, we're not talking about that game. We're talking about Packers... Uh, 49ers, and if you want to share your thoughts, this is this is your time. We're, we're going to start this on Wednesday. I'm going to open it wide open. I feel like I haven't done a good enough job inviting you in to share your thoughts and share your opinions, so now's your time. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. Tell me what you're excited about. Tell me what you're concerned about. Maybe what you're a little conflicted about. Who knows? Really early on, and, and I've started to kind of research the 49ers a little bit and watch a few highlights and watch some games to try to learn and to try to get the best idea possible uh, of of the Packers' opponent this Sunday and, and what exactly it is they do well. There are a couple things I like, a couple things that worry me, and a couple things where I'm like, I, I don't really know. I need to see it play out on Sunday. I am so excited to not be playing Russell Wilson, as I've said a couple of times. There's something about Russell Wilson, as I said, to start the show. That isn't quantifiable. It's not statistical, but you watch and and you just see it. It's palpable. He seems a little bit quicker. He is evasive. Sure-handed tacklers all of a sudden start missing him. Like they've never tackled a quarterback before. And Pete Carroll talked about it in his post-game press conference as well. But when Russell Wilson is playing, there is not a player on that sideline or a coach on that coaching staff that doesn't believe that the Seahawks are going to win. They're now 21-3, to and nobody on that sideline flinched, and damn it, Russell Wilson almost brought them back. And that's not quantifiable in a box score or on a spreadsheet or, or in statistics, but it is very, very important, and it's those kind of factors that I think make the best quarterbacks, that often lead quarterbacks to winning championships. Maybe not the things that show up on the stat sheet, but the other things uh, that help instill confidence, Help, help instill a winning attitude in the rest of the team and the rest of the coaches. That's why quarterbacks, they're this weird position where we almost idolize these guys. We almost think of them as larger than life. That's why. It's those traits. It's those factors. Russell Wilson has it. I, I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo has it. I don't know. Jimmy Garoppolo attempted 19 passes against the Vikings. He was 11 for 19. 11 for 19. And at one point during that game, the San Francisco 49ers just handed the ball off over and over and over and over and over and over again, almost like you were watching the Badgers play Nebraska, which seems to, every year, it seems to be how that game goes. Right? Bo Pelini couldn't stop the run. Scott Frost is having issues stopping the run, and the Badgers know it. So they hand the ball off over and over and over again, and they say, we're going to run the ball until you stop it. And Kyle Shanahan, at home last Sunday, in his first career playoff game as a head coach of the 49ers, and in Jimmy Garoppolo's first playoff game as a starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers, they were pretty conservative. And Kyle Shanahan said, look, Jimmy, we're going to have you throw 20 times tops. He was 11 of 19. And we're going to hand the ball off an absurd amount. And until the Vikings stop it, we're going to continue to do it. Jimmy Garoppolo was pretty limited. He didn't have to do a whole lot last week. Now, I'm sure if Kyle Shanahan had his way, that wouldn't change this upcoming weekend, right? That He would like to say, all right, Jimmy, will up your throws a little bit. We'll, we'll throw 22 to 27 times a game, and we'll establish a strong run game, and we'll win that way. I'm sure Kyle Shanahan would love to have it go that way, but I have a feeling Jimmy G is going to have to throw a couple of more passes than he did last week. A couple of more. And can the Packers force him to make mistakes? Can the Packers get him down? Can they sack him? Can they force negative plays or turnovers? That's how they're going to win this game. Jimmy Garoppolo, his career is young as a starter of the 49ers, and his playoff career is even younger. 
He only has one start under his belt. I'm looking at regular season stats uh, from the 2019 season, from all the quarterbacks. And these don't indicate what will happen on Sunday. These aren't a projection. I'm not making a prediction. I'm just trying to paint the full picture. When comparing Russell Wilson and when comparing Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's look at all the metrics that matter. Let's look at passing yards, okay? Passing yards, Jameis Winston led the NFL with just over 5,100. Russell Wilson was sixth. He had 4,110 passing yards this year. Jimmy Garoppolo was 12th, 3,978. Russell Wilson had a lot more load to shoulder and a lot more work to do in comparison to Jimmy Garoppolo, the Packers, uh, the Packers matchup this coming weekend. Let's look at interceptions. Another really important statistic in predicting success. Jameis Winston, just for reference, was also first in that. He had 30, 30 interceptions, 33 touchdowns. Jimmy Garoppolo was eighth in the NFL. He threw 13 touchdowns this year. He's actually tied with Ryan Fitzpatrick. To give you an idea, Russell Wilson uh, is farther down the list. Jimmy Garoppolo is surrounded by Sam Darnold, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Andy Dalton. You got to go way, 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 way down to find uh, Russell Wilson. He was 29th. There are some backup quarterbacks in there, guys, who didn't play all year. Russell Wilson is surrounded by Matthew Stafford. Aaron Rodgers isn't too far away. Russell Wilson had five picks this year. Aaron Rodgers had four per per perspective. Russell Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo. Difference in yards, difference in completion percentage, different in interceptions. By just about every metric, at least the basic important metrics without getting too complicated, Russell Wilson is much better and makes fewer mistakes. Gives the opposition and the defense fewer chances to make a play that could turn the game. The Packers might get a chance or two at an interception like Kevin King did last Sunday. If Kevin King gets a chance to pick a ball off this weekend, he absolutely needs to haul it in. Same with Jair Alexander. Same with their entire secondary. There can't be dropped interceptions. There just cannot be. Because the Packers are already the underdogs. They're already the inferior team. They're going to need probably a turnover or two or something to go their way. If they get an opportunity and... They might with Jimmy Garoppolo. It's at least more likely than it would be if they were playing Russell Wilson. They need to take advantage of those mistakes. 608-796-2558. That's the five-star telecom talking text line. I want to hear your thoughts. I want to hear your opinions. This is your time. Uh, Jonathan says, Grant, saying that a smaller sample size, uh, a total 16 games, as opposed to the NBA or MLB, doesn't matter is just straight-up denial. Will the score be the exact same as the regular season between San Francisco and Green Bay? Probably not but I counted the intangibles will have an even greater influence than this time uh, than the last. Uh, First of all, to address your last point, I I agree. I was talking about the intangibles with Russell Wilson. This time of year, all the quarterbacks are pretty darn good. They all avoid interceptions for the most part. They all complete a lot of passes and they make good decisions. The difference is who's got the swagger, right? Who instills confidence in his teammates? Russell Wilson does that. Maybe Jimmy G does. Maybe he doesn't. I haven't seen enough of him in the playoffs, but I definitely agree with you on the intangibles. I have to, to... I have to reconsider what you said. Saying that a smaller sample size of a total 16 games uh, doesn't matter is just straight-up denial. I'm not not saying 16 games of statistics don't matter. That's not what what I'm saying. I'm saying it's unfair, and and it's probably inaccurate to some extent to try to make a prediction on how this game is going to go based on games that happened in September and October. When injuries happen, right? When, when, When players improve or, or maybe players decline over the course of the season, or maybe there are new plays or new wrinkles. Maybe somebody makes a trade. I, I'm not saying that analytics in the NFL aren't accurate. I think we learn a lot from them, and I think they, they make us smarter sports fans. But to say that the Packers are going to lose because of this, 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 and this from September, October, November, uh, I, I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that. 
It's three games this Sunday. That's all that matters. Last week doesn't matter. The, the weekend next or the Super Bowl upcoming doesn't matter. It's this Sunday. And to try to predict a three random hour game on a Sunday by 16 games that happened months ago, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best way to go about it. That's all I'm saying, Jonathan. Thanks for the text. I love that they're playing Jimmy Garoppolo and not Russell Wilson. The rest of the team concerns me. What really makes this team tick is their front seven, their pass rush, their linebackers. And we're going to talk about that uh, in about 15 minutes at 545. I, just to, I, I, I did a lot of research. I looked at some of these players because we've seen the 49ers a couple of times. But but the level that the 49ers have invested, the, the, the draft stock and the free agency money that they've put into their front seven, Their linebackers, and especially their defensive line, is unreal. And that's something the Packers are going to have to handle. That scares the hell out of me. Joey Bosa and D. Ford and and, and those pass rushers and defensive ends and D. linemen, they scare the hell out of me. Jimmy Garoppolo does not. I might be singing a different tune after Sunday if Jimmy G balls out and throws for 350 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. But until I see that, I'm left hoping, hoping that Jimmy Garoppolo might uh, just might throw a couple softballs and might turn the ball over and, and let the Packers have a chance at winning this game. Uh, when we come back, let's hear from Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan. I'm not going to play you their full press conference. That's not what I'm going to do. But both both talked with the media today, as did many players, uh, because today was the NFL Network. They did their press conference for the upcoming NFC Championship game. And it's really, really interesting because Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan were both asked a lot about the regular season matchup, which the 49ers uh, won handsomely, 37-8. And... and both kind of gave the same answer. I, I want to know if you agree or disagree. And, and I'll tell you that, yeah, I, I get where these coaches are coming from, but I but I think it's coach speak. I think it's coach speak. I'll explain. We'll hear from both coaches coming up next. The Wisco Sports Show presented by Played Against Sports. Uh, back in a few minutes here on WKTY. <laughs> Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. I'm your host, Grant Bills. Thanks for hanging out. Hope you're having a good night. I don't know if you're nervous, if you're excited. You got butterflies as the NFC Championship game is approaching on Sunday. I'm still soaking in that Seattle win a little bit. I'm definitely enjoying the press conferences and the pomp and circumstance that goes into it. Uh, Because once this game's over, once these games are over on Sunday, we will have one game left. And yet might be the best game. It's going to be the Super Bowl, and it'll be great, and we'll all have chips and dip, and we'll have friends over, and it'll be a blast. But one game left for a couple of months until next fall, oh, that's that's a tough reality. That's a tough reality. It's a long winter once football season ends. That's all I'm going to say. So soak it in. Enjoy it while you can. I know we're all excited for Sunday, and we want it to come as fast as possible. But enjoy talking about football while we can because, yeah, we'll have the draft, and We'll have free agency, but it's going to be a couple of months, and, and I'm certainly going to miss watching football on Sundays and, of course, on Mondays and Thursdays as well. This upcoming game on Sunday is an interesting situation because these two teams have already played each other. And, and while sometimes rematches happen in the playoffs, not all the time, but this is a particularly interesting matchup because these two teams did play each other relatively recently. It was in November. It wasn't in September or October. It was in November, but months ago... And the 49ers killed him, 37-8. And and the 49ers looked like the way better team, more physical, faster, bigger, stronger. Green Bay was dominated, and people remember that. Also, Matt LaFleur and Kyle Shanahan have coached together. I don't know know if they're friends, but they certainly have a relationship. They've, They've 
worked alongside each other, coached alongside each other for years and known each other for a long time. There's a lot of interesting a lot of interesting wrinkles into the into Sunday's matchup, certainly. Now, this game could go differently. The NFC Championship game could go differently than the 37-8 route the 49ers put on the Packers a couple of months ago. History tells us it won't, at least recently, specifically in 2015, when the Packers, uh, yeah, they didn't go 13-3, and but they made the playoffs. They beat Washington in the first round and then went on to a rematch against the Arizona Cardinals, who blew them out weeks before, not months before. And the Packers made it a close game. They almost won, but they didn't win. They ended up losing. And I think Rodgers understands that, yeah, this has happened in the past where the Packers have played a team in the regular season, got blown out, and then rematched in the postseason. It typically has not ended well for the Packers. And I think Aaron Rodgers understands it because if you remember before the 49ers game, Aaron Rodgers was asked about the importance of this of the, the Packers and 49ers matching up. And he said, well... Chances are we're going to have to play this team again in the postseason if we want to accomplish our goals, and we're going to have to beat them at their place at some point. Might as well do it now so we don't have to do it later. Well, the Packers didn't do it at the time, so they are now going to have to beat the 49ers in Santa Clara. And I don't think Santa Clara and Levi's Stadium is uh, CenturyLink Field or whatever it is up in Seattle. I don't think it's that home field advantage, and I don't think it's the home field advantage that the Vikings have at U.S. Bank. I mean, the last couple of years, Levi's Stadium has been empty. I guess 49ers fans only show up when their team gets good, interestingly enough. But the Packers are going to have to win a game on the road, and Aaron Rodgers understood the importance of that regular season matchup when it happened. He said, if we want to win a Super Bowl, if we want to accomplish our goals, we're going to have to beat this team at least once at their place. Might as well do it now. They didn't do it. So now the task is kicked down the road, and, and now the reckoning day is is come. That's coming up on Sunday. LaFleur and Shanahan both talking to the media today in the NFC Championship kind of uh, kind of like preview pressers, uh, Devontae Adams spoke. There were lots of other players that spoke as well. Lafleur kind of echoing a theme that we've heard a lot the last couple of days, and that game was a long time ago. Both these teams are very different right now. That last game was a long time ago. I think both teams have, have come a long way since then, and um, you, t- you certainly take a look at it and try to take bits and pieces from it, but there's a lot of tape on them, and we know what we have to do. I mean, it's, it's going to be a great challenge. They're a great football team. They have been all year long. They've got great coaches, and um, we're just focused on our preparation and trying to be the best that we can be because we're going to need it uh, come Sunday. They're certainly going to need it. They're going to need everything to go right and maybe get a gift or two in order to upset this really, really good 49ers team on Sunday. I also like what LaFleur continued to talk about, and that was like, look, that game was uh, certainly a black eye on our season and one of our one of our only three losses. Packers only lost three games. One of them was to the 49ers. It was ugly. It was embarrassing in prime time, but it's also something we can learn from, too. You always want to learn from from past mistakes and performances, whether it's good or bad, and, you know, you, you take what you can from it, but ultimately you got to go out there and learn from it and move on. I, I, I like that Matt LaFleur was asked about that and then went on to, to talk about it in detail just a little bit. I think the Packers are an interesting comparison to the Saints or to the Ravens, two teams that were statistically dominant. The the, the Ravens averaged, uh, an average margin of victory was about two touchdowns. I believe it was 14 or 15 points. The Ravens did not play in close games this year. They won when things went their way, and when they went their way, they went their way. The Ravens would steamroll teams, and the Saints would steamroll teams. And everybody said, that's a dominant team. That's an elite team, not the Packers. Well... Maybe it was helpful that the Packers suffered those ugly losses at the Niners and at the Chargers 
and against the, 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 the Eagles, and they were forced to play tough and play ugly against teams like Washington and New York and Detroit because those are games you can learn and improve from. I, I, I had a friend text me yesterday when I was asking, like, why did people think the Packers went ugly? Like, those games weren't ugly. The Packers won this one by eight points, this one by ten, whatever. Those aren't ugly wins. Why are people still hating on the Packers? And he, and this friend texted me and said, well, they weren't as impressed by the Packers as they were the Saints or the Ravens or teams like that. And I'm like, well, those two teams are eliminated. Maybe things went too easily for those teams. Maybe thing, maybe success came too easily for those teams. And when they hit some adversity in the postseason, they weren't equipped to handle it. I like that Matt LaFleur brought that up. Uh, one other interesting thing that he said uh, was regarding third down. It's a very interesting parallel. The original game against the 49ers, the one they lost 37 to 8. Third down, worst game of the year. They were terrible. They were one of 15. Now, just a couple of days ago against the Seattle Seahawks, the Packers had their best uh, game of the year when it came to third down. Nine of 14. That's a season high nine third down conversions. Matt LaFleur asked, like, can that thing carry over from week to week? Because last time around against the Niners, you guys were putrid on third down. In the last week or two, it seems you guys have figured out something on third down, and you guys have been effective. A lot of our success is going to be dependent upon how we do on those first and second downs, getting in those third and manageables, uh, trying to get them you know, into certain looks or whatever. And ultimately, it's, it's going to be about our guys going and winning those one-on-one battles because they're, they're going to come up not only – you always think of the receivers, tight ends, but it's going to come up up front as well. They're going to put us in some situations where it's going to be man versus man, and, and uh, our guys are going to have to win those in order for us to have success. I, the third down thing is fascinating. It's fascinating to me because so much of this Packers offense and the success or lack thereof with this Packers offense on third down and keeping drives alive instead of punting the ball away, so much of that success is predicated on first and second down. Right, we, If we can get three or four yards on first down, we're going to take it. If we can hit a three-yard dump off on second and ten to make third down slightly more manageable, we're going to take it. That hasn't really jived with Aaron Rodgers. That's not really how Aaron Rodgers has played. He's always looking downfield. He's always looking for big chunk plays down the field. Matt LaFleur this week is probably saying, look, when you can take four yards against this defense, you got to take it. you got to take what they give you to set yourself up for success in future plays. That's such a big part of Packers' success on third down. Uh, moving to Kyle Shanahan, he, he was asked, this Green Bay team is is a different team than the team that you saw uh, in November when you beat them, what, 38 to 38 to 3, 37 to 8, 37 to 8. And Kyle Shanahan said, yeah, uh, this team and, and that game, I, I don't I don't I don't know if Kyle Shanahan is is holding that game in very high regard when it comes to preparing for this upcoming Sunday's game. Uh, I mean, they were a pretty good team before we played them last time. Uh, I think that game just got away from them, you know, with the, the turnover to start and things like that. But um, they played the same way they played all year. They just had one bad game. Um, they've been a tough team offensively and defensively all year and done a good job not turning it over, and their defense has kept people from scoring. The guys will see tape on them from the whole year. And even if you go back and watch our game, I mean, that was a lot more um, – that was – much more competitive than the score looked. Um, and, you know, you get 38 points and things like that, but you go to some of the turnovers that happen, um, some big plays, but um, it was a lot harder of a game than it seemed. And all the other games that you watch on tape, um, it looks like you're playing a real good team. It looks like you're playing a team that has a record that they do. I think the, the fact that Kyle Shanahan pointed out, like, I, look, they were a good team when we played them. They just had some things go against them that game. They had some early, early penalties, early turnovers, and that game got out of hand quickly. I think he he recognizes that even on that night, they were a good team. They just didn't play their best game. 
Uh, Kyle Shanahan was was asked, how do you use that game to prepare? Like, are, are you watching film of that game? What are you doing with that game to prepare for Sunday? We know it'll be different. I mean, we know everyone that game got away from them early. And, um, I mean, that's that's definitely not the team we're going to see this week. I mean, everyone knows how good Green Bay is, um, how good their coaching staff is, how good their players are, how good their quarterback is. I don't think they've lost a game since then. Um, so, I mean, I think that game really holds zero relevance in what's going to happen this Sunday. Before we take a break, I, I, I want to address that. Because I've, I've heard that a lot. I've heard that idea a lot. And it's been phrased lots of different ways, but it's, it's very common. I've heard it a bunch the last couple of days. And that is, well, this game's not going to be 37-8. I can guarantee you that. Or this is going to be a different Packers team this time around. This game's not going to be a blowout. This is going to be a lot closer. And I think because it's a playoff game and it's Aaron Rodgers, we assume that well, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to be blown out 37-8 in the postseason. It's, it's got to be closer. Okay. Yeah, it's probably not going to be 37 to 8. But if the Packers fumble on their first possession and then they go three and out and they have pre snap penalties and they look overwhelmed and have things go against them right away, yeah, it, it could be 37 to 8. It absolutely could be. This is not going to be close because it's a postseason game. If this game is close and it isn't a blowout like it was last time, it's going to be because the Packers execute and they don't make mistakes early on like last time. Uh, our guest, Bart Winkler from The Fan yesterday, who we had on. He made this brilliant point, and I couldn't agree more. We all think that these football games are, are these long odysseys, right? They take hours. They, they take three hours on TV. They're 60 minutes, four full quarters of 15 minutes. Really what it boils down to is like 11, 12, maybe 15 minutes of actual action. These games are decided on a few key plays. We like to think that, well, it's an hour-long game, and it takes three hours, and there's so much time to adjust and ups and downs and momentum swings. And to some extent, that is all true. But, man, out of three hours, they're only actually playing for like 11, 10 to 15 minutes. These games are decided on a couple crucial plays. And if Aaron Jones puts the ball on the deck right away, or Devontae Adams, as dumb as that penalty was when he chest bumped a player out of bounds, if they make those kind of mistakes early, it's going to be really, really tough for them to win this game. Now, maybe it doesn't get to the point of a blowout like 37 to 8. But this idea that this game is going to be close because it's going to be close. It's a playoff game. It's Aaron Rodgers. Uh, no. No. Because one or two plays can completely flip a game on its head, as we saw back in November. And while the playoffs are a bigger, brighter stage, it's still the same game. Still 11 guys on both sides, and it's still a couple plays that decide these things. And 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 I, I don't want this narrative that, well, it's not going to be a blowout this time. It's not going to be 37-8. to eight. Well, I don't know. 49ers are pretty good. You sleepwalk into that game. You make a couple of mistakes right off the bat. Like last time, it could be 37-8 real quick. And the Packers, that offseason is going to start real quick if that's the case. We're previewing the 49ers, previewing the upcoming NFC Championship game uh, from Sunday. When we come back, I want to talk about the straw that stirs the San Francisco drink, to use a Bill Michaels expression. That's their defensive line, their pass rushers, and their interior linemen. They are so good. I want to try to exactly illustrate how good these guys are, and we'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming up next here on WKTY. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show here on WKTY. Hope you're having an awesome night. My name is Grant. Thanks for hanging out. You can always catch up on the entire show. If you're just joining us, we've talked a lot of Packers, a lot of 49ers, really, really good preview 
uh, for the upcoming NFC Championship game. We're going to be talking mostly Packers this week. I know the Badgers got a dope win last night, and Brad Davis hit a big shot, and the Bucks continue to just be the Bucks. They just routed the Knicks last night. That that was over in a couple of minutes. Other teams are doing great things as well. I know the Twins made a, a great signing. I was hoping the Brewers would make. There's other stuff going on, but it is all Packers all the time this week as they are one game away from the Super Bowl. And this show was a lot of good Packers 49ers talk. So if you're just tuning in, you can catch yourself up with the podcast. Just go to WKTYsports.com uh, or our mobile app. Lots of ways to listen, lots of ways to uh, to find the show. The 49ers are great across the board. I would argue that they're better at every position group than the 49ers, except for maybe linebacker. Maybe they're pretty similar because Bobby Wagner is really, really good. And quarterback. I think Russell Wilson is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Other than that, the Niners are better at just about every single position and every single position group. But really what makes them special, really what makes them a next-level elite team is their defensive line. And, and their pass rushers, specifically their defensive ends and their interior linemen. The 49ers, especially since John Lynch has been there, have been building and stockpiling players of, of high level, of high price in free agency or high draft stock to put on that defensive line, whether to rush off the edge or up the middle. I went through their starters on the defensive line just to try to give you an idea of how much they have invested how many picks, how much money has been spent on this unit, which really is what makes this team special. This is pretty wild. We all know about Nick Bosa. He was taken second overall in last year's draft. So we have a second overall pick on the line. D. Ford, the other edge rusher who didn't play the last time the Packers and the 49ers matched up and is going to play today. He was taken in the first round by Kansas City and then later signed, or actually this past offseason, signed by the Niners five years, $87 million. So yeah, he's making a pretty penny and the 49ers invested in him to come beef up their pass rush. Interior lineman like DeForest Buckner. He was taken seventh overall in 2016. Seventh overall in 2016. Eric Armstead taking 17th overall in 2015. So there's four first rounders. They also have Solomon Thomas, who was the second overall pick in the 2015 draft? Second overall? I can't remember exactly. It was right before, well, actually, they traded back a spot uh, so the Bears could take Mitchell Trubisky. Was that either second or third? Solomon Thomas just really hasn't turned out. So uh, they have a second, a second overall pick, a first rounder, first rounder, first rounder, and a, a, another top five pick all invested into that defensive line. And you know, it's, it's, it's funny and it's sports work this way sometimes. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. They invested heavily in defensive line for the last four or five years, and then they were on top of all of that able to get Nick Bosa because Jimmy Garoppolo blew out his knee, and the Niners said, okay, let's wait one more year before contending. Let's stink. They go 2-14 and 14 or whatever it was last year, and they're able to get the second overall pick to also, by the way, the cherry on top, Nick Bosa, add that onto a defensive line that's all already stacked with top 10 picks, with first-round picks, that defensive line is special. And like I said, when you're able to add that one more special player that they, they weren't expecting to get Nick Bosa, they weren't expecting Jimmy Garoppolo to tear his ACL, it's just kind of how things worked out. The Packers need to neutralize or avoid those playmakers as much as possible. In other words, you cannot let Nick Bosa beat you. you can't let D Ford beat you. If some no-name cornerback beats you, fine. Right? If some middle linebacker Beats you, fine. But you cannot let the stars, the playmakers, the players that everybody knows about on that San Francisco team, you cannot let those players be the reason that you lose. I don't know how you neutralize them. 
I don't know how you avoid them. That's what the Packers coaching staff is probably working feverishly this year uh, to figure out. That's what they're trying to figure out. I was trying to find an example because you don't get rematches a whole lot in the postseason. I was trying to find an example of a rematch recently. And I thought, well, let's look at the divisional opponents. Teams that are in the 49ers division who have played them twice. And I looked at the Rams. I looked at the Rams. And how the Rams changed from game one against the Niners to game two. Well, the first time around, McVay and the Rams were beaten 20-7. to They took four sacks. Jared Goff was not very great in that game. The second time around, they were able to, well, over quadruple that point total. They scored 30 points and won, uh, or almost won, in that matchup. They didn't end up winning. They lost by three. I believe they lost 34-31. But they scored 30 points, almost won that game, and they gave up zero sacks. So from game one to game two, there's a 23-point improvement and a four-sack improvement the second time around. What was the difference? Well, for the most part, to put it simply, they moved Jared Goff around. They moved him around, and in that second game, Jared Goff was able to throw for 323 yards and two touchdowns. It wasn't enough, but there are a lot of factors in a football game other than quarterback play, right? What did the defense do? The offensive line do? The special teams do? Were there turnovers? How did the officiating play into it, right? By and large, long story short, the Rams got much better from game one to game two because McVay found ways to tweak things, found ways to get Jared Goff opportunities and to get him in space, where in game one they weren't able to do that. Now, good news for the Packers, great news for the Packers, is if moving a quarterback around is what it's going to take, well, there's nobody better at throwing on the run than Aaron Rodgers. And Matt LaFleur and Sean McVay obviously come from similar schools of thought and similar schools of coaching. Hopefully that bodes well for the Packers. Maybe the Packers get beat worse. But it is interesting. It is interesting to see how Sean McVay and Jared Goff were able to take a 20-7 to loss and the second time around score 30 points and take the sack total from four down to zero. There are ways to adjust. There are ways to improve. Packers need to find those ways. They need to find those details and those plays and those ideas this week to ultimately be the difference on Sunday if they want to advance to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2010-2011. We have a really, 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 really exciting rest of the week. A lot of previewing Packers 49ers, NFC Championship game, and just as big of a game, although it's not a postseason game, Central and Onalaska, two of the top teams in the state playing on Friday. Tomorrow and Friday, I'm going to give you a little tease. We might just hear from Drew Kelly as we prepare for that game that probably is going to decide the Mississippi Valley Conference as well. Pretty wild. Mostly Packers, mostly 49ers as the week rolls on. I will be back same time, same place tomorrow. Can't wait to talk to you then.